and I'm just going to pray us in. Yeah, so thank you, God, for this night and for the opportunity we have each and every week to gather together, God. We don't take it lightly that you just set aside this time for us to meet you here, God, to gather together as family, as community, and to just be uplifted in your presence, God. God, we're so grateful for this time, and we just come before you with expectant hearts for what you're going to do tonight, God. We come with open hearts and open eyes and open ears to hear your word and to meet you, God. You're already here, and we thank you that you just come every time, God, that you blow us away and that you take any of our burdens and you just replace it with joy, with peace, with confidence, God. We thank you um, that you've given us faith and that our relationship with you is just one of yes and faith and everything else you just carry, God, and you take. So we thank you for whatever you're going to do tonight, God, and we say yes to all of it. We say yes to wherever you're going, God. We thank you for everything that you're going to do tonight, God. We're here to meet with you. It's all about you. In Jesus' name.
Sometimes I just, like I'll just be sitting at home and I'll be trying to do some musical thing or something like that and I'll just have to just sit and just like forget about all of it because I just get so in my head and I just keep just thinking about everything that's going on just in the world and stuff and it's just, like we're meant to care about what's going on in the world because we're supposed to be in the world but not of it. And so before I think about what's going on in the world, we're called to think about what's going on in the spirit focus on what he's doing. It's just so important that before you just go like into your day-to-day, just to sit and just think about what's going on in the spirit. Can we cut the click? So let's just center our hearts right now. Your mind. 
shout of praise of Jesus right now. Jesus, you're so good, Jesus. You're so good, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. His love came down and rescued me. His love came down and set me free. Now I am yours. I am forever Mountain high or valley low, I sing out, remind my soul that I am yours, I am forever yours, I am forever yours, I am forever Jesus for being all that we need and God I thank you that you want to work in us and through us and God I just thank you that you gave me the word that you're going to do something new inside of my friend and my sister Lindsay tonight God and Father I just pray that you would use her right now to usher us into your presence even more and what you want to speak to and in and through our sister Lord
pada akhirnya Tuhan juga menyiapkan just change us tonight, that would change us for the rest of the week and the rest of the month, and that we would just be able to move in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Lynn. You guys can have a seat, please. Hey, Chris, can you get that music stand I was to grab, bro? What's up, everyone? Thank you so much for coming out tonight. Man, that was a sweet uh, time of worship, and we're going to get back into it in a little bit. My name is Ryan. I'm the pastor here at Alive. Um, I know about half of you probably came in after announcements, so I'm not going to go through all of them again. But uh, just an announcement that we're actually not going to be here next week. We're going to be at our home church uh, for the More Love, More Power conference. But you all are welcome to come with us. It's free. Just make sure you sign up in the newsletter tomorrow. Uh, you must register, and uh, I'll send out a text too. So if you're not subscribed to the texting service, make sure you do that. It's just send the word alive to the number 68398. Uh, we are super excited tonight. We've been going through a series in the book of Luke, looking at the reason we believe. Uh, last week we talked about chapters 7 and 8, and this week we have an amazing guest speaker coming. Uh, her name is the one and only Lauren Acton. Give it up for her. And I just want to take a second and, and brag on her. Um, you know, sometimes uh, the Lord brings leaders like that, and sometimes it takes a while. And uh, it took about a year for the Lord to, you know, use me to inspire and recruit low to our team. But she's made such an amazing difference uh, being a coach here and alive and leading the girls' small group. And just she's one of those people that you never have to be afraid to ask for help for whether that's spiritual help or, you know, emotional help or just support with, you know, a relationship or like me, if I'm always asking her to run and make graphics or do this and that, she just jumps in. And uh, I just love serving with leaders like her with a true servant's heart because you know it's not about her, it's not about me, it's not even about us, but it's about the one who's called us and sent us. And uh, so, Lo, it's just been such a privilege to serve with you, to learn from you. This woman has amazing experience, which you're going to hear about tonight. She's about to bring it. Uh, so buckle your seatbelts in and get ready. That's for you, Austin. <laughs> so, hey, if you guys just reach out your hands, let's just bless her and uh, invite the Lord to work in her and through her. So, Papa, I just thank you for our sister, Lauren. God, I thank you for your faithfulness, that when you call us, as you promise in Philippians 1.6, that you complete the work that you've started. And I thank you, God, that you sent her. She could be a part of any church, any college ministry on campus. And wow, do we feel so lucky and blessed that she chose us. I thank you, God, that it's you who draw people's hearts to you and to the ministry and family that you want them to be a part of. And I thank you that we're better because we have her with us. So God, come and speak to her and through her. 
and have an amazing night with your daughter. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for Lauren, everyone. as my hype man. Thanks. <laughs> well, what's up, guys? My name is Lauren. Like Rice said, I'm a coach for Alive. This is my first year at it, and it has been absolutely amazing, um, and it's so cool to get the opportunity to stand up here tonight and um, share a little bit of my heart with you and two of my favorite books of the Gospel of Luke with you. Um, and so, like you said, buckle your seatbelts because we're going there tonight. Um, so last week, Rye took us on an incredible journey through Luke 7 and 8, and he really laid the framework for tonight's message. Um, so that message is all about how we have a soil and a foundation in our hearts that these seed deposits that God gives us can grow in. Um, and so tonight we're going to talk about what to do with what's growing in us and what to do for the kingdom with what we have going on inside of us. Um, just so you know a little bit about my about me first, because um, it would be awkward if you didn't know me and I was giving a word. Um, I work in marketing at a retirement community here in town. Um, so I work with those we call 65 and better. Um, so not this type of senior, but a different type of senior. Um, and it's really just been an incredible journey. Um, and then in addition to that, I'm also a seminarian. So I'm studying to know the word better and to kick the enemy's butt better, um, and that's just been awesome. Um, so anyways, without further ado, we're going to get into tonight's message. Um, so I want to start and just share a little bit of a personal story with you guys. Um, and this story is going to take a whole lot of grace tonight to get through, um, so I hope that you'll go there with me. Um, hmm. Exactly one year ago today, um, almost like an hour ago, a year ago, um, I had the probably darkest day of my life, um, and I don't say that lightly. Um, I was working in ministry. I was working on the pastoral team of a church, um, and I really dug into it, and, um, and it was a lot of my identity was kind of wrapped up in what I was doing, but more than anything, my calling was wrapped up in that. And a year ago today, um, I made the difficult decision, incredibly difficult decision to leave. Um, and, and in that season of my life, one of the biggest reasons for that was because of the view of women in ministry that was happening around me. And, um, wow, it's really quiet in here. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, there were, there were a lot of voices coming at me, um, telling me that, actually specifically telling me that while my heart is good and what I'm saying is true about Jesus, it's only so true because it's coming from a woman. And, um, and I've felt this all week. I feel like there are people in this room right now who hear that and they feel called into ministry. And especially ladies that you're, that you're sitting here and you feel that call on your life and you're like, but I can't. And tonight we're going there. Because you know what? There's a female up here who's about to bring the word of God. And... 
And there are females out here who are about to bring the word of God, and we're going. Okay, so Luke 9 and 10 is all about our calling in the kingdom, and we're just going to jump right into it. We're going to start with Luke 9, verse 1, which says, Jesus now called the 12 apostles and gave them authority and power to deal with all the demons and cure diseases. He commissioned them to preach the news of God's kingdom and heal the sick. So we're going to stop right there. How many of you guys have heard the word apostle before? Yeah, like most of the room. And how many of you guys have an idea in your head of what an apostle is? So, and, it, and it's probably that it's a bunch of dudes who got to follow around Jesus and they really like to fish. Yeah, anybody else? Yeah. So, so, um, so you could read this verse and skip over the word apostle and jump right into they're curing diseases, they're, they're healing the sick, they're casting out demons, and they're proclaiming the name of God. But to those people who are reading this verse um, and reading these words, the Jews who are reading it of the time, that is something entirely different. So in the Roman Empire, there were these groups of people who just conquered vast amounts of land in the name of Rome. And so they would set out and they would fight these battles and they would take ground for the empire. And they were realizing that they had all of this territory and no real culture that was true of everybody. And so they had this wide amount of land and nobody was really united. And so what the Roman Empire did is they, they created this position in the Roman military, and it was called, dun-dun-dun, an apostle. And so what the apostle's job was to do is to set out into these newly claimed territories and introduce the culture of Rome. And so they would introduce finances, they would teach you how to raise your children, they would talk about marriage, they would talk about what your job should look like, all of these things. And then collectively, everybody began to have the culture of Rome. And so, <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> okay, so you have, you have the apostles of Rome. And so what Jesus is, um, is calling his apostles is something completely different than what we understand. Um, so, so these apostles, their job was done when they completed a single task. And that task was for the emperor to be able to enter back into this newly conquered territory and ask themselves, does this feel like home? And when the answer was yes, the apostles' job was over and they'd move on. So what does that say about these 12 apostles? Well, Jesus is calling them apostles because they're setting out to introduce the culture of heaven. Their job is so that Jesus returns and he can look around and ask, does this feel like home? And the answer should be yes. And so these apostles, their job was to make every land that they walked into look a little bit more like heaven. And that's our call too, is we are called to usher in a new culture on this earth. Now, a little bit about the 12 apostles. These are a group of just random individuals. They are not all fishermen. So you have a tax collector, you have a doctor, you have some fishermen, you have brothers, you have a thief, you have a zealot, you have all of these different people who are coming together with the sole mission of introducing the culture of heaven. And that's our call too. There's a room full of people I'm looking around and we're so vastly different from one another. 
There's not two people in this room who are exactly the same. You have females, you have males, we have people of all races in this room, we have people who want to be accountants, we have people who want to be doctors, we have people who want to be teachers, and we're all in this room collectively with the mission of introducing the culture of heaven wherever we walk. So you have these 12 vastly different people, and Jesus sends them out to introduce this culture of heaven, and they're starting to gain momentum. And so all of a sudden, all these people are following these 12 apostles, and suddenly 5,000 people have gathered in a field together to hear the name of Jesus. And so we're going to pick up right there, and that's in Luke 9, verse 12. Okay, so the 12 apostles have just gathered all these people around, and it says, as the day declined, the 12 apostles said, dismiss the crowd so they can go to the farms or villages around here and get a room for the night and a bite to eat. We're out in the middle of nowhere. You feed them, Jesus said. So they said, we couldn't scrape up more than five loaves of bread and a couple of fish, unless, of course, you want us to go to the town ourselves and buy food for everybody. And there were about 5,000 people in that crowd. Okay, so dilemma. All of these people are gathered. The apostles gather up everything that they have to offer them, and it's clearly not enough. Whatever they can muster up, it's just not enough to meet the needs of that crowd. And so they're looking at this huge situation and a little bit of resources, and they have no idea how they're going to meet that need. So we're going to pick back up into it. So Jesus went ahead and directed his disciples, sit them down in groups of about 50. And they did what he said, and soon everyone was seated. He took the five loaves and two fish, lifted his face to heaven in prayer, blessed it, broke it, and gave the bread and fish to the disciples to hand out to the crowd. After the people had all eaten their fill, 12 baskets of leftovers were gathered up. Guys, when we give to God in obedience, he always meets us in abundance. And so I have a little bit of a story about that. Um, for those of you who know me, um, aside from working with seniors in our community, I also work um, for summer camp that specializes in reaching foster kids, um, refugee children, and kids from just really broken backgrounds. So these are inner city kids, um, kids who have never been told that they're loved, all gathered in one place for a week um, with the sole purpose of knowing about Jesus and knowing that they're loved and they're valuable and they have a purpose in this world. So we take all these kids, we gather them up, and we um, teach them archery. We take them fishing. We take them boating. Um, it's just an incredible opportunity, and so I'm going to plug it. If you want to be involved, please come talk to me. Um, but I get the incredible opportunity of leading our junior high session. So I direct the junior high camp, um, and it comes with a lot more paperwork and meetings than I would choose, um, but it's incredible. And so this past summer, I was kind of in the thick of the camp, and I had just a radical encounter with God through one of those kids. So there was this little boy named Brayden. And every single morning of the camp, I would get up at 5 a.m. And I would look out on my cabin steps. And there is this little boy with his, is he up there? There he is. Don't, don't look at the person on the left. Look at the cute little one on the right. <laughs> uh, so... Oh my gosh, I love this kid. I love that picture too. Um, so he would wake up at 5 a.m. 
every single morning, and he would sit on the steps of my cabin. And I always thought it was weird, but I never really asked. And so I would get up, I'd walk out of my cabin, I'd say, hey, good morning, Brayden. And he'd say, hey, good morning, you know, and he would just kind of look at me for a second, and then I would keep walking. And so the first day that happened, I just felt in my gut to talk to him. It's like, man, Holy Spirit, I know I'm supposed to talk to this kid, but I've got a meeting to go to. I've really got something I need to do. And so I passed by him. Second day rolls around, 5 a.m., and this little boy is sitting on my cabin steps again. Good morning. And I felt it again, man, I should sit down and talk to this kid, but I'm running late. And so the third day comes, I do the same thing. And then the fourth day hits. And I was like, I cannot keep walking by this kid. He is sitting on my steps for a reason. And so that day I was super late to a meeting and I just sat down next to him and he came walking up at 5 a.m. And I, and I greeted him and I just said, hey, let's just sit down. And so I said, Braden, tell me about yourself. And instantly this kid starts sobbing. And he goes, man, nobody's talked to me like all week. And I just really needed somebody to talk to today. And he starts telling me about just all this crazy stuff that this small child had gone through in just a short amount of time. And it's, it's heartbreaking and it's hard. And I'm listening to all of this. And I was like, this kid needs some hope this week. And so I asked him, if you could only get one thing out of camp, what would it be? And he said, you know, I... I come and I sit here at 5 a.m. every morning because I know that that's when you wake up and that's when you pray. And I want to learn how to pray too because I hear the way that you talk to Jesus and I want that. And I was like, okay, today is the day that you're going to learn how to pray. And so I said, I believe it, felt it just fully in my heart that by the end of that day, that kid was going to have a radical encounter through prayer with the Father. So I told him that. I was like, you know what? You keep your eyes open, and you're going to know exactly when to pray, and then I'll help you through it. So this day is going on, and it's getting to be 1030 at night, and Braden had not prayed yet. It's like, man, Dad, I know, I know I felt it, that this kid was just going to have a crazy moment today. And we're sitting at the campfire, and all of a sudden, this little boy in our session, Donnie, he just goes down. And he can't breathe, and he's just having this terrible asthma attack. He can't catch his breath. And so our medical director scoops him up in his arms and begins just running him to the medical cabin. And so Donnie's taken off across the field with the medical director. And Braden looks at me, looks at Donnie, looks at me, looks at Donnie, and just sprints. And this kid's, I mean, like, flames are coming off of his feet. He's running so fast to go pray. And he turns back at the other 40-something kids sitting at the campfire. And he yells, guys, are we going to go pray or what? And so suddenly, I've got, like, roughly 50 middle school kids just sprinting in the dark across the field, running to the medical cabin. And I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> Braden's going to pray today. <laughs> And so all of these kids are crammed into this tiny room, and Braden reaches out his hand, and he, and he puts it on Donnie's shoulder, and then he looks at me and is just frozen. He's like, I have no idea what to pray right now. And I said, Braden, what would, 
what would Jesus want you to pray right now? What would he want to hear from you? And he goes, well, I think, I think Jesus would want heaven. Jesus would want heaven here. And I was like, okay, then just say that. And Braden puts his hand on Donnie's shoulder and just says, Jesus, we want to see heaven right now. And that was it. That's all he said is that simple, short moment. And then he looked at me and just said, amen. And, <laughs> and this, is, this is it right here. Um, he's the kid in the red, and he's precious. Um, <laughs> but he, he just says, amen. And he looks at Donnie, and Donnie's coughing because she eats socks. Yeah, and I, and it was one of those things where I was kind of testing it a little bit. I was, like, waiting for Donnie to cough again, um, and he was fine. And in that sweet, simple moment of just the best that Braden could muster up, they saw heaven break in. And by the end of that week, every single kid in the Midler session, their middle school group, was praying for one another, and every single kid proclaimed Jesus as their Savior. And that was the first moment that they saw heaven. So good. And it was just one kid's best, his, his little bit, but his best, ushered in the kingdom of heaven in that moment in a way that none of us could have. Because the success of the kingdom has nothing to do with who gives the most, but who gives the most faithfully. When we give to God in obedience, he meets us in abundance. So it's that spirit that we see actually in the story of the transfiguration. Um, and I'm just going to kind of story tell this. Um, so Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on top of a mountain for a moment aside to pray. And when they get up there, just craziness happens. Um, so those three thought they were just going to go follow Jesus and just simply pray and come back down. But they get to the top of the mountain, and all of a sudden Jesus' face starts shining like the sun. And his robe has lightning coming off of it, and it's just a glorious sight. And so those three just pass out for a little bit. Uh, and when they come back to, they look again, and Elijah and Moses are standing next to Jesus. And so Peter, being Peter, <laughs> asked Jesus, should we build a monument? Should we build a place to pray in honor of all three of you? And suddenly, Elijah and Moses disappear, and it's just Jesus before them. And then I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I am going to read it because um, I think this is really powerful. So Luke 9, 35. So they found themselves buried in this cloud in the middle of this intense moment of just seeing Jesus in all of his glory. And it says they became deeply aware of God. And then there was a voice out of the cloud saying, this is my son, the chosen. Listen to him. And guys, the first thing that we can be obedient with is our ears. When we, when we are obedient, we have to listen to who's in charge. We give him our ears. We give, we give God the driver's seat, and we focus, and we humble ourselves, and we sink in to what the Father's saying. And that became their ministry. And guys, that's our ministry, is to humble ourselves, focus on the voice of the Father, 
and be in obedience to it. And that obedience brings that abundance in our lives. It's sinking into what the Father's saying. It's listening to him. Because in the moment of the transfiguration, it was a crazy moment where suddenly they realized that they weren't just listening to a prophet bringing a word from God. They were listening to the word of God speaking before them. So they have this crazy ministry going on that's launched from this moment, and they're, and they're listening to Jesus, and they're realizing that it's not about what we say. It's about what God's saying. It's about what God breathed. We carry the word of God in us, and where we step, we are ushering in the kingdom through the word. So it's easy, though. I feel like this is going to get heavy, but that's okay. It's easy for us to get our heart in a weird place. And that's what happened to the apostles. I'm going to read this. So Luke 9, 46 through 48, um, the apostles have a crazy moment with Jesus and just a heart check. And it says, they started arguing over which of them would be the most famous. So they have this crazy encounter where Jesus in all of his glory is before them and Peter, James, and John are understanding it for the first time and yet they come back down the mountain and then they start arguing over which one of us among the other apostles as well is going to be the most famous. So when Jesus realized how much that mattered to them, and I love the way that that's worded, when he realized how much that fame mattered to them, he brought a child to his side. Whoever accepts this child as if the child were me accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. You become great by accepting, not asserting. And it says your spirit, not your side, makes the difference. And I feel, I feel God just wanting me to read that again. Because I don't think I need to break it down. I think the Spirit's going to break it down in your heart right now. So I'm just going to read that whole thing again. So he brought a child to his side. Whoever accepts this child as if the child were me accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. You become great by accepting, not asserting. It's your spirit, not your size, that makes the difference. And you see this lived out in the story of the Good Samaritan. And don't check out on me, because I know that this is a story that probably most of you guys have heard before. Um, but we're going we're gonna to look at it in a little bit of a different way tonight. So I'm going to read it. So it starts in Luke 10, in verse 25. It says this, Just then, a religion scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. I'd probably be that person, to be honest. Uh, teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? And he answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? And the man said that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, said Jesus. Do it and you'll live. But looking for a loophole, he asked, and just how would you define my neighbor? 
and Jesus answered by telling a story. There once was a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off, leaving him half dead. Now, I'm a little bit of a nerd for facts and um, for being able to picture things. So I want to break this down. So the road from Jerusalem to Jericho is a seven is a seventeen thousand seven thousand no that would be rough if it was seventeen thousand seven thousand foot drop over seventeen miles. So that would be like if you went from here to not even Monticello, and you dropped seven thousand feet in the process. So this road is still to this day known as the Way of the Blood, because it is considered one of the most treacherous pieces of land in the world to travel, especially on foot. And so this road's really narrow going down, and I really urge you to actually go and look up a picture of this road um, because it's insane. So it's tiny, narrow road that's maybe enough room for like a single donkey to go down this road. And you're going just steep, rocky, mountainous terrain down this hill to get to Jericho. And so this is, this is a rough path. And so here's this man who's already in danger just from the fact that he's on the road. And then he's getting robbed and left for dead on it. And so he's in this position on the side of the road where it's dangerous no matter how you look at it. The fact that he's sitting there is going to put him in even more danger because you have all of these people coming at him trying to maneuver around him and get down this narrow road and steep road. And here he is, he's it says he's bleeding to death on the side of this already dangerous road. And so, and I love that it says, luckily, um, a priest was on his way down the same road. But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. So this guy is on the side of the road. He's, he's injured. He's bleeding. He needs desperate help. He's in a dangerous situation. And this priest, who's considered like the holiest of the holy people is coming down the mountain. And if anybody was going to know Old Testament law, it was going to be this guy. And Old Testament law actually commanded people to reach out to their neighbor. And it actually says, if you see your neighbor injured and bleeding, that you stop and lend a hand until they're healed. And the priest didn't stop. He kept walking. It's a dangerous road. You know, he's not, he's not going to stop for somebody he doesn't know especially with where he's at. So a second person comes along. And this is a Levite religious man. So this person is like, if the priest is here, holy-wise, he's about here. So he's pretty darn close. And he also would know Old Testament law. So a Levite religious man shows up. And he also avoided the injured man. But a Samaritan traveling the road came upon him. So Samaritans were like their mortal enemies of the Jews. They were, they were the murderers. They murdered each other. They, I mean, by every sense of the word, were total enemies against each other. And so if anybody was not going to stop, it was probably going to be this guy. But it says this. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his room his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. So this guy, his enemy, sees him on the side of the road, 
in desperate condition, and his heart goes out to him. And so on this dangerous path where it would be really smart to stay on your donkey and not walk beside it, he lifts a strange man onto the back of his donkey and leads it down this rocky road. And it says this. In the morning, so he stays overnight with this stranger at the end. He doesn't know him. He stays overnight with him to make sure that he's okay. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill, and I'll pay you on my way back. So two silver coins, um, again, because I'm a nerd, I Googled this, um, would be the equivalent of about two months' stay at an inn. So he's not just paying for one more night and then hoping the guy makes his way out. He's paying for the man to heal there for two months. And then he said, if, if this isn't enough, then I want to pick up any bill associated with this man's care. I want to pick it completely up. If he needs anything, if he needs new clothes, if he needs food, anything, I will pick it up and I will come back and I will pay this. So Jesus asked, after telling this story, what do you think? Which one of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by the robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the religion scholar responded. And Jesus said, you go and do the same. You go and do that. We go and do that. We do the same. Literally, everybody gets that level of love from us. We're walking the hard road in the kingdom. We're walking beside our brothers and sisters, and we're walking the hard, hard road when we go. But that's kingdom. It's messy, and it doesn't make sense, but it's kingdom. Because we're not serving out of obligation. We're serving out of celebration of what God's done in our lives. Where two people saw an interruption, one man saw an invitation. And the Father is inviting us all to all the time, everywhere, everything, unconditional love for the people around us. So I have the, the cool honor of just working in probably one of the best jobs that I've ever had. Um, and a large part of that is because I am trusted to use my time creatively um, and one of the things that I do with that time is every single week I sit down with one of our residents and I interview them about their life. I, I film their life story. And one of the first stories that I got to record um, was of this woman named Miss B. And she is the coolest person that you will ever meet. She's 100 years old and she's about to turn 101 and she still lives in an apartment in our facility by herself. And so I got to ask her, Miss B, what, why are you still so young? Like you are, you are a hundred and you are acting like you have more energy than all of the college students I know combined. And you are just bopping around and you're telling us your stories and you're doing all of these incredible things. And she goes, because every day I wake up and I have someone to fight for. And she's like, when I run out of causes, then I'm done. But I've never run out of a cause yet. And 
so I'm, I'm sitting down, and I'm hearing this incredible story, and I ask her, what's your cause right now? And, um, and just totally pulling at my heart, she says, my cause is kids. And she volunteers at the Crisis Nursery, which is an emergency drop-in daycare that's open all the time here in town. She volunteers there, and she reads to the kids, and, um, and she makes their meals for the day, and she changes diapers, and she just loves on these kids every single day. And so I started joining her there um, a couple of times a month. I go with Miss B, and I drive her out to Crisis Nursery, and we sit, and we just love on some kids. And, um, and we just share the name of Jesus with them, and, um, and we just make sure that they feel valuable and loved. And, and it's incredible because I'm seeing this woman living her best life and her long life that has value, and that value comes from seeing other people. She, she, account, she attributes her entire life into making it this long with this much, much energy to just seeing people and, and knowing that she has to get up each day because somebody's got to fight for him. And that's the life I want to live. I heard that, and that just jump-started my heart because it's so kingdom. Like, we're called out of bed each morning because we have territory to claim in the name of Jesus. So a year ago today, I had that awful day. A just terrible day. And God met me in that so powerfully. Because the next morning I woke up, and a year ago tomorrow is my brightest day. Because I woke up that morning wanting to be a pastor. And I woke up that morning wanting to be a female who brought the word. And it had nothing to do, my calling had nothing to do with anybody in the church it had nothing to do with what ministry I was serving here on this earth. It had everything to do with the Father and his heart and, and my heart for, for the people around me. And in waking up every day and seeing territory that hadn't been claimed in the name of Jesus and saying, that's where I'm walking today. And, and I live every day that way. And I'm not saying that that's from me, but it's, that's how the spirit moves in me, is I wake up every day and I look around the room and I think every single person Jesus died for, there's not a single person in this world that I'm ever going to meet that Jesus didn't die for. And, and I wake up in the morning and I want to reach them. And I want them to know that because I know it. I feel it. When I look, when I look at Janet, Janet, Jesus died for you. When I look at Carol, Carol, Jesus died for you. When I look at Michael Sacco, Jesus died for you. And I walk around campus, and there's not a single person that doesn't deserve to be met with that. There's not a single person who doesn't deserve to know what heaven looks like. And it starts today. It starts here. They know what heaven looks like by, by the way that we meet them, by the culture that we introduce around them. They see what heaven looks like when the little bit I give to the Father brings abundance, and it doesn't make sense. And they know that God must be in it because I don't have that much. I mean, God doesn't call the perfect. He perfects the called. And I don't have that much. But, but when I show up in a friendship and when I show up and I meet somebody on campus and I, 
and I just say, hey, Jesus loves you. I'm not giving a lot from me, but the Father is giving a ton in that moment. And they feel it, and they know it. As the culture of heaven is what we carry, and we carry abundance from the Father. And, and the last point is, is that our differences, they show the fullness of the kingdom. When I meet somebody that, that doesn't look like me and, doesn't, and, and just isn't me, I'm seeing a little bit of heaven. I'm seeing a different side of God right before me. Because we see the fullness of God in community with one another. And so when the kingdom's ushered in, we see God. And the more people that we bring into it, we see more of God the more that, that they're here. And so, God, I, I just thank you for that, God. I thank you for just a lifetime of second chances. And I thank you for a lifetime of redemption, Father. And I thank you that today could have been the anniversary of just a terrible day, but instead it was, it's the anniversary of the day that I felt with all of my being what I was called to. And so God, I just pray that that hand extend over this room tonight and that there's not a single person who wakes up tomorrow thinking that they don't have a cause to fight for. God, there's not a single person in this room who wakes up tomorrow thinking that they don't have a purpose. And there's not a single person in this room who thinks that a line is drawn by their gender, by their race, by what career they're going into. There's not a single person who thinks that there is a line in the sand that they cannot cross. God, I just, I pray that, that tonight be a commissioning into the kingdom. That tonight be a moment when your spirit is so thick and, and we just sprint after you, Father. God, I, I pray for the kingdom to come to this campus, that somebody on the other side of campus right now who's just sitting there studying feels what's happening tonight, and they, and they want to know why U of I looks different. Or that when we step back into our classrooms tomorrow, people know, man, Parkland's different. Man, my work is different today. And God, that they would know, they would know that the moment we walked in the room, so did you. And that you would just meet them there. God, that there's not, there's not anywhere in this world that doesn't know that heaven is here. That when that between when we wake up in the morning and when we go to bed at night, that this world would look more like heaven and less like hell than, it did, than, than when we started. And so, God, I just, I bless tonight. I bless this worship of you, Father. And I invite you to just take us even deeper than we could imagine. I pray all these things in your name. so good. <laughs> Keep dropping some revelation bombs in there like Bill Johnson up in here. <laughs> I'm going to invite you guys to stand up. Feel free.
could sing you were the word. your own song right now. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory. 
Megan, what a beautiful name that is. Chanel, what a powerful name that is. The spirit of the living God that's inside of you.
This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. Jesus. Oh. I know when you're around, cause I know the sound, I know the sound of your heart. I know when you're around, cause I know the sound, I know the sound of your heart. Yeah, I know when you're around, cause I know the sound, I know the sound of your heart. I know the sound. That's a worship song. I know when you're around, cause I know the sound, I know the sound. Sounds like this. Sounds like this. I know when you're around, cause I know the sound, I know the sound of your heart. It sounds like a room full of people proclaiming your name. Change and now 
God, Father. That is the cry of our hearts tonight, God. Father, let that be the anthem of our hearts every day that we wake up and every night that we go to sleep. Guys, I just feel like there's places in our lives right now that we've been praying for, that we've been struggling with, that we've been battling. And I feel like the Father wants to invite you right now in this moment that do you believe that you can be a source, that you can be an example, that you can be a reflection of heaven coming to earth, of heaven touching earth. And so, God, we give you right now, friend, just listen, just give them those things right now that you feel like you can't conquer, that have been just coming at you day in, day in and day out. And, God, we just pray right now, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in our hearts and in our lives, God. We believe in you, Jesus. So I'm actually, just for a second, going to invite you to have a seat, um, because I feel like God's really ministering to a lot of hearts in this moment, and um, and so I actually, I got a few specific words for people, um, and and I just want to speak them out, um, and then and I, I know God's about to do something else really cool. Um, so I'm really pumped. Okay, um, so I wrote these down. So if you saw me looking at you earlier and then sketchily writing down notes, this is why. Um, <laughs> so so Pralov, um, I really feel like God was saying that you're, you're really hungry for hope. And I don't know what's going on, but that you're really hungry for some hope tonight. And... And that you've been waiting for God to give you a sign that hope is coming. And I feel him saying that this is your sign. That this is your moment of having hope in whatever it is that you're going through. I don't know if it's work. I don't know if it's um, like being at home. Like I don't, I don't know what it is, but that you need hope in something. And I feel like the Father's saying that this is going to start that hope for you. And to just press into it. Um. So if I've, <laughs> I, I'm really bad with names, and so I'm sure that I've met a couple of you guys, but I'm not going to remember your names. I just want to vaguely describe you. Um, there is a guy in a red plaid shirt who's sitting next to Brett right now. Um, <laughs> hello. I, I felt like the father was saying that you're only scratching the surface of where he wants to take you, and that, and that you feel this depth already. And I feel, I feel like the father's saying, like, right now you're just jumping in puddles. Like, he's going to take you super deep um, and, to, and to just be prepared because, um, like, right now you're at the shallow end. And he's about to take you on a journey to the deep end of his grace and his love for you. Um, and I feel, again, like, like that journey starting tonight. Um, so buckle up because I really felt that one. Um, <laughs> um, Vitor. Um, <laughs> Vitor, God is saying that you are a warrior, and I asked him what exactly that meant um, in terms of you, and he said that the joy of the Lord is our strength, and you carry joy like a sword in this world, 
um, and that and that the joy that you walk with is is ushering in the kingdom and you're fighting battles on behalf of the people around you um, and you think that you're just having a happy day and um, and and really like you are you are fighting other people's battles with the way that you live your life um, and and so yeah I feel like the father just wants to bless you with just an overflow of joy and I feel like you already have an overflow of joy and I feel like he's saying that it's like it, this isn't even the start of it um so yeah I just I bless that in you okay vaguely described there is a woman who has a ponytail and she's sitting in the same row as Vitor like you Vic there um I and I'm sorry because I know I know your name and I'm blanking right now um but I feel like God's saying that you you carry with you this really simple sweetness um, into every area of your life and that and that you think that that's not really doing anything. Um, and I feel like God's saying that that sweetness is giving people like a taste of of his goodness and that and that it might be quiet and still and soft and and it might not even feel like you're doing all that much in those moments, but that you're actually like really powerfully showing people what heaven looks like because it's a sweet, sweet place. Um, yeah, and God just really wants to bless that in you just a crazy amount. Um, and then the last specific word, I don't see him. Michael Sacco, are you in here? There you are, hi. Um, I feel like God's saying that he wants to build your confidence that he's trusted you with a ton and that and that you feel that you feel like you have a ton but you're not sure of yourself um and i know that's like a really personal thing to say in front of a lot of people so i'm sorry um but i felt the need to say it in front of a lot of people because i felt like he's saying like you looking around this room these are the people that god's trusted you to minister to and and these are the people that on the days when you feel like you're falling short, these are the people that are going to rally around you and make you realize that when you're on your knees in the kingdom, you're a thousand foot feet tall. And when you feel like you're short, you're doing so much because you have this humility about you. And God wants you to be confident in your humility and, and to be confident in knowing that you're showing his grace and goodness in, in just a powerful way. And in, in a humbling way and that these people in this room are better for knowing you and he wants you to know that he wants you to know that you're changing things in this room okay I have some general words as well and uh, like leading up to tonight's message I really feel God felt God saying that he wants tonight to kind of serve like a commissioning in the kingdom like for those of us who who we've just kind of maybe put one toe in or um, or we've never started playing the game, you know, like we've never actually felt like we've stepped into this, um, that tonight's the night. And, um, and that there are especially certain people who are called to certain things and tonight's the night that they say yes. Um, and so the first, and I'm really happy that this isn't from me and this was from the father, is if you are a female in this room and you feel called to ministry in any capacity, it doesn't have to be vocational, you feel called to proclaim the name of Jesus wherever you go, 
which I, is should be a lot of you. Um, I actually I want you to stand up, um, and gentlemen around these ladies, they put a hand on their shoulder, and I really want to pray into that. So if you feel called as a female to um, be in ministry, and if you feel called to be in vocational ministry, like put two hands out so that we know that that we're getting extra blessings um, <laughs> for that. So. Yeah, God, I I thank you for these warriors in the room, God, who are carrying your truth out in this world. And for these these ladies who are who are saying that they're all in. God, we know that in the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, women were there ushering in the kingdom and that that's never going to change. And and so, God, I, I bless these women with strength and courage and joy and sweetness and, and, and strength, God, and all of these things that, makes, that make them incredible and make them gifts to this world. And, God, I just I pray that tonight they say yes to you commissioning them to work for the kingdom, Father, and that tonight is their big, big yes. All these things in your name. Amen. Okay, so before you take a seat, this might be a double dosing of blessings because um, I feel like God was saying that there's also people in this room who um, who are praying for the nations and they and they want to go around the world and you want to reach different people at like far ends of the earth. And um, whether that's like short term or you're doing like a long term like missionary stay, I feel like God wants to speak to you right now. And I feel like God's saying, wow, this is a lot of people. This is really cool. Um, this is way more than I was picturing. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> at the end, that was awesome. Um, so I... I feel like God is is wanting to speak to this moment that we're called to embrace the different nations around us and the cultures that they carry and then also introduce them to the culture of heaven. And so, um, and I'll speak more into that, I feel like there are a lot of different people in this world who are called into this and in far areas of the earth and they're they're coming from different cultures and like this month's Black History Month and there are people who that with that culture who are called into this and that we're all going to be united in the culture of heaven that every nation every tribe is going to proclaim the name of Jesus and I feel like we're meant to go there and reach them and so God I just bless that I bless that calling that so many people in this room have on their lives to just go and and experience heaven in that way and, and experience heaven as being every tribe, every tongue proclaiming your name, God. And I just bless them on that journey. Okay, that was it. Time for me. Let's give it up for Lowe. If you guys have never got a prophetic word that comes out of 1 Corinthians 14, and uh, I know Lowe spoke to you, but 
you know, it's by faith that she feels and believes that is the voice of God. And it's your responsibility and duty to go pray and ask the Lord to confirm that. So we are not saying God, that was God 100%. It's by faith that she believes that. She's prayed over that. And now we ask you, if you got a specific word, to go take that to the Lord. Read in scripture. Ask your community around you. God, does this fit for me? Does this fit? And that's the beauty of community and beauty of prophetic words that is meant to build and up encouragement and speak life to you. And I hope every one of those words did. So thank you so much, Lo, for bringing it. Well, as Lowe kind of alluded to, it is Black History Month, and uh, we wanted to do something special to kind of end out the night that we've never really done before, but I think it's so um, beneficial that we should do it. So I'm going to invite Kundai up to share a little bit, like one minute bit, and then um, time, time in. If not, Austin will take the mic away from you. <laughs> and uh, here, give it up for Kundai. Well, yeah, guys, just as Lauren and Rai touched on, and actually Gnomes and uh, Mike, the situation also touched on, is that this is Black History Month, and instead of a testimony, you wanted to sing a gospel song instead to end out the night. And so kind of just remembering that part of the gospel, right, is freedom. It's freedom for all people, regardless of your race, regardless of your culture, even if you're all the way from Zimbabwe, God, yes, has freedom for people just like that, too. And so at this point, I'm going to invite the choir up. And yes, there is a choir. Guys, please show some love for the lovely people in the choir over here. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. And so we decided to sing a song that we felt that would be familiar to most of us, if not all of us, but will have a bit of a gospel twist to it. And so the name of the song is Nothing But The Blood. And hopefully, uh, yeah, I'm seeing some smiles there. Hopefully all of y'all recognize it. And so although we have a choir up here, don't let this be a performance, guys. Don't let this be a performance. Let this be worship. Let this be your heart's affection to the Lord saying, nothing but your blood has set me free tonight, God. And just go after it tonight. All right. Yes, stand please, if you're not already standing. And uh, yeah, feel free to go on the sides and just get loose. Get crazy.
All right, what's up, guys? So, okay, that was amazing. Um, <laughs> if it wasn't for Ryan, like, giving me, like, the wrap it up, I would go for that, like, all night. Um, <laughs> so thank you guys so much for coming out tonight. It was awesome. Um, I'm, I hope you felt that worship because I did. Um, and so I want to invite you next week when we're at the Vineyard and for more love, more power, picture worship like that like all the time. It's going to be so good. So please see us next week out at the Vineyard Church at 630. And I will see you there. See you guys.